So if I, I say something <laughs> and I don't want it to ever be heard by anybody, right. I can say yeah. cancel. cancel. I wish that worked in real life. <laughs> right. Let's start the show. Welcome to For the Sake of Phoenix, a podcast by Missio Day Communities, where we discuss how a community of God's people can learn to grow in God's ways for the sake of our city. I'm Chris Preby. I'm one of the hosts and one of the pastors of Missio Day Phoenix. We believe the Bible tells one unified story, and it's the true story of the whole world, a story that moves from creation to restoration, where Jesus is the hero and the church is invited to join in his redemptive work. Before I go any further, let me introduce you to my friend, co-pastor, and co-host of the show, Anthony Suarez. You can be known by the creator of the universe and deeply loved. And we as the church are to be an expression of that. We are to be the mediator, the ambassador, the expression of God loving his people. And so now the church is having to navigate, what does that look like in the midst of stay-at-home orders? We have a special guest in our coffee shop studio today. He was the best man in my wedding. Ooh, I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what? This was before I really knew you too, Anthony. And so I would have had co-best man <laughs> if I could do it over. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the best man in my wedding uh, has known my wife since they were kids. Lived across the street or yeah, down the street yeah, from each other. Much. And is also a pastor. So we have three pastors in the room right now. Um, pastors, a Calvary church, Calvary Central here in the Valley. And we wanted to have Dan Esch on the show because we wanted to get the perspective of someone else leading a community of God's people, someone else leading the church through this season. Um, there's lots of similarities, I'm sure. And I know through a conversation, we have lots of similarities on how we view scripture and obviously all of Jesus in this room. Uh, but there's also some differences in your congregation from ours. And so I'd love to get some perspective on how it's affecting and impacting you guys and what are some of the decisions you and your co-pastor have made to kind of lead through this. Well, first off, thanks for uh, allowing me to be a part of this. Um, like Chris said, I, I have the pleasure of pastoring at Calvary Chapel Central. Our senior pastor is Pastor John and uh, really grateful for the diversity in our fellowship. Yeah, I've been pastoring there for, I think, going on 12 years now. Um, That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. But again, uh, yeah, I, I, I've known your wife since I was uh, 14. Grew up down the street from her, and uh, she was always sharing Jesus with me. And uh, she's got lots of stories about you. I'm sure she does. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll keep those uh, um, tune censored. In the, tune into the next podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, she she's always um, been a not to be cliche, but a, a, a shining light, you know. Um, and from from the first time she met, she was um, talking about Jesus and sharing Jesus. And my parents were born again believers, so it wasn't something that I, I hadn't heard before, but. Uh, she had a way of living it and sharing it that um, when it, I finally gave my life to Christ, when I turned 18, she had a big, big hand in, in laying the groundwork for that. So uh, really, she's really grateful for, for she's that. She's pretty okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But yep. she's not the guest on our show today, so. Oh. <laughs> I tell her this stuff all the I time. I think she should be. She should be. Yeah, she should, should line her up. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm married. 
Um, have four amazing kids. Oldest is 14. Youngest is eight months. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a surprise. Huh? That was a big surprise. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we wanted to talk today. Uh, last week, Anthony brought up, hey, let's talk about fear and anxiety and uh, kind of the public panic that has happened around this. And I mentioned having you on our podcast. And when I mentioned this, then Dan was like, oh, it's funny. I actually, like, in my sermon this week, we were talking about panic. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of just share a little bit about maybe what what the takeaways were yeah. from that? Yeah. Well, we've been teaching through the, the gospel of Jesus. We've been... Usually we go book by book, verse by verse. Um, but when we were looking at the Gospels and trying to choose which Gospel, because we had finished Revelation and we were circling back around, and usually we pick one of the Gospels to teach through. Uh, instead, we decided to go chronologically as best as we could through all four Gospels. Hmm. And uh, and we've been talking about, um, before this whole coronavirus pandemic hit, uh, we've been talking about fear and panic and just the way that Jesus put the disciples in situations where uh, I think there's a saying, well, I know there's a saying that uh, people say that God won't give you any more than you can handle. And that is not biblical. I think God consistently gives us more than we can handle uh, so that we will come to the end of our own resources. And I think at the end of those resources, when we're not in control anymore, uh, I think that's where we have the um, kind of a, a crossroads. And that crossroads is either panic or fixing our eyes on on the provider and and uh, and so really throughout the gospels we've been talking about panic and pride and and how we kind of as humans fluctuate between the two extremes that either we're prideful and we think we're in complete control and we have it all together or uh, scripture says pride comes before the fall which is actually God's grace that we can't stay on that that platform of pride but usually that fall isn't falling on Jesus. It's falling into a state of panic when we realize we're not in control. And uh, so we've kind of been in that mode for a long time, but really looking at it from the perspective of um, Jesus using that to train us up uh, to be, to continue his work, that those moments where he brings us to the end of ourselves is part of our, our discipleship process. It's part of our training. It's part of our spiritual growth. And when we fail and we freak out, it doesn't surprise him. He's just, he's doing a work in us if, if we'll let him. So I feel like a lot of times, um, especially in the church, um, we can offer these religious platitudes of just like, oh, just, just trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or he's not going to get, like what you said, like he's not going to give you more than you can handle. Um, so, so you'll get through this. You'll be okay. Just trust God. And it, and in some ways, it can come across as just this, in some in some instances, just this arrogance of, or, or pride of you just like, eh, you'll, you'll be fine, or, or really dismissive of a genuine fear or anxiety that people are feeling, right? right? And so instead of, and I feel like a lot of people in church, instead of sitting with someone in that fear, entering into their story, um, we're, we're just really dismissive of it. Um, and so instead of offering just these religious platitudes, these religious sayings, and then leaving, um, how do we help people enter into their fear and anxiety and, and, and give them hope? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that I'm learning more and more um, 
is being comfortable with things not being good. Like I think we have a te- like you said, we have a tendency to downplay people's suffering and their hurt. Like everything's going to be okay. This is not that big of a deal. But the reality is, we live in a fallen world, and sometimes things suck. Like something, sometimes things hurt deeply. And uh, I think I've been in ministry long enough um, to see uh, the brokenness um, of, of sin in my own life and other people's lives. And it's okay to sit next to someone and say, you know what, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. What you're going through right now is really, really terrible, and it's going to be terrible for, for a long time. Um, but Jesus is, I, and I think the, the word cliche, um, I think it, I'm always careful not to use cliches, um, but I also want to be careful that when, like God's truth is God's truth mm. and it's not cliche. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I make the mistake of saying, ah, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but you know, God's mm-hmm. walking with you. Well, the reality he is, he is like, he yeah. is present. Um, at the same time, this is something that's terrible and painful. And, uh, and, and like you said, being present in the midst of that. And, and I mean, how do you tell a family that just lost their daughter? Uh, Hey, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, this too will pass. I mean, that seems so shallow in the moment, but being able to say, hey, this is terrible and it's going to be terrible um, for a long time, but we're here for you um, any way that we possibly can be. We don't have the words to say, but we're going to be present in the in the situation and, and kind of go from there and see how God works. That makes me think so much of, um, and we talked about this recently, of the moment when Jesus goes to be with Mary and Martha. They just lost their brother, Lazarus. Um, And this is like a week before Jesus going to his own death, right? And he knows full well he's about to undo what just happened. He's about to bring this man back to life. And so he could have like showed up on the scene and they're crying at him. He could have been like, guys, don't worry. I got this. Mm -hmm. But he purposefully and I think just real experientially enters into that moment of grief with them and weeps. Because it's like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And yeah, what does that look like for us as believers now to know, we know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen. You know, that God is at work to restore all things. But right now, enter into that moment of grief or uh, sorrow or suffering or even confusion with the people that we're we're doing Mm -hmm. life with. Yeah. Yeah. How often do we see in the Gospels, Jesus looking out over the crowds and having compassion? On them, and that that word compassion literally means having their pain inside his his gut, mm-hmm. and he knows he's like you said he knows he's going to meet that need practically and immediately, uh, but yet he still allows himself to go where they're they're at and feel that that great need within himself before he ministers, and I wonder if that's just an example for us as followers of Jesus of where we're supposed to be personally and in serving and laying down our lives for others.
Yeah, I love what you said. And, and I think this is the key to that is being present. Because I think the cliche, the quote unquote cliches of religion or Christianity are cliches when they're said from a distance. Right, mm. right. Right. When you hear it from the pulpit or when you hear it on TV, they turn into yeah. this like, or a text. you don't or know text. me. You yeah. know, like yeah. you get the sense of like, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. Mm-hmm. But when you're present, like Jesus is in that in that example where he is present, he weeps, he feels their pain, he's present. In that moment, you can speak those truths of the gospel in a way where it's received because they know you're having compassion on them. You are weeping with them. Being present in people's pain, being present in people's fear and anxiety, acknowledging it like, hey, this is this is very real. I, I know you're feeling it. I know you're afraid. I know you're anxious about whatever's going on in the world or whatever's happening. I know there's fear and anxiousness. I'm going to sit with you in that. Acknowledge it, affirm it, but then give you hope and give you the truth of what the gospel says. The reality of like God is with you. God is present. And then how do we figure that out? Mm-hmm. How do we be present That's in an age where, yeah. where we can't physically be present yeah. um, with other people? I think that that's a really good point too. Hopefully there's some relational collateral leading up to the crisis. Mm. I mean, yes. I know you guys that's probably true. can attest to this. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. much easier to minister to someone that you have an existing relationship with when the crisis hits yeah. than trying to step into a crisis and not have any, any connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, God still can use people in those, those situations. Um, but it's like performing a, a wedding or a funeral. I mean, how much easier is it? easier is it to prepare for something like that when you have a deep relationship with that that couple or, or the family of uh, uh, someone who passed away. So that's why it's so important to be the church and develop those relationships and those bonds so that when crisis comes, um, you can kind of just step into that and be present. It's almost a natural progression to care for that individual because there's that relational collateral already there. First and foremost, to, to meet a need, you have to see the need. So you have to be deliberate in reaching out and seeing what their needs are and how you can help. And uh, and and sometimes maybe just uh, not even waiting for them to present the need, but just going out of your way to, to provide something that maybe uh, they're unwilling to ask for. Because I think that's something that we all face, too. Sometimes people are not willing to um, share their needs for whatever, whatever reason. Um, and so just, again, I, I think the Lord is pretty faithful in presenting, um, if we're, if we're taking the time to listen, um, and, and we wake up being willing to just be used by him and whatever he has for us that day, you know, I, th- I think he's really, um, faithful in presenting those, those opportunities yeah. to us. You know, you had mentioned something about, um, again, being, being present and, I'm going to butcher this story, and I guess that's okay. But uh, I had heard about 
this coastal town that um, they lived right off of this this barrier reef. And the ships had a tendency to um, come too close to the coast when they passed by. It was a trading route and they would become shipwrecked on the shore. So uh, a bunch of guys from this little coastal community got together and they, they wanted to form kind of a rescue team where whenever a, a ship would uh, shipwreck, they'd go out and, and they would try to rescue survivors. And uh, this is something that, that I guess took off. This is a true story, I guess. Uh, I think Can you it, verify that? No, not really, but it's <laughs> it's a um, it's probably true. Probably, it sounds really good. It, so it's plausible. At least. Okay, we'll look it up later to make sure. And if it's, if it's not, we'll just <laughs> we'll put it in the, yeah. <laughs> we'll delete it. We'll put in the show notes so a link to the but um, check. But they, I mean, they were they were very successful in saving many many people's lives, and they wanted to get better at what they were doing. So they started to research. Um, different equipment that they could use for rescuing individuals and different training. And then there became this shift from actually saving people to training and buying equipment. And and their time was spent more on figuring out how to save people than actually saving mm. people. And then uh, I guess this cruise ship came, came by with uh, hundreds of people on the ship and it, it struck the reef and uh, they were all off-site at a training course and tons of people died because they weren't present to save lives. They were more concerned about the the, um, the training and the equipment and making everything perfect to go out and, and save, but uh, not not doing the actual saving. So who knows that if that's isn't true. A I, kinda, of... I made that all up right now. So <laughs> It's a good analogy for the church sometimes. Though. Yeah. Yeah, where we feel like we have to have, we can't, we can't share the gospel. We can't speak truth. We can't be present with people until we know our Bible. Yeah, yeah. Or we know we have good theology or we know our doctrine. You know, like we're going to wait till we're in our late 60s or 70s, you know, <laughs> then like, we'll help. and then we'll help. Yeah. And then we'll do something because then we'll know enough, yeah. you know, where it's like, no, people just need you to be present. Yeah. 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 And sometimes like recognize you don't know enough and be present with your mouth shut you know like yeah job's friends like they did great by just sitting with him and it was when they opened their mouths to try to give advice that they didn't really know much about that things kind of went south mm-hmm. right um even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut the old proverb that's my favorite because i open my mouth a lot <laughs> and i have to remind i'm just gonna stop that. talking from here on out then <laughs> the rest of this podcast is going to be very boring yeah just be silent things that might be important to talk about just in this podcast of fear and anxiety are or is 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 fear and anxiety the same thing hmm. are those a lot of times they're used interchangeably i i heard a um or i read an analogy that they're used interchangeably and, and they kind of are the same thing but they're 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 different in how we approach them mentally and, and physically 
Whereas fear is the emotion of a real and present danger. Like there's this, uh, and then anxiety is kind of this more like general, yeah. you know, you're just anxious about like this, uh, impending, general... this sense of impending doom or it's right. just this underlying feeling that kind of persists right past that immediate panic fear. Yeah. Yeah. This analogy so. that I read was, and, and it helped kind of solidify things for me. It was like, if you're walking down a dark alley at night, right, you see someone and he pulls a gun on you and says, you know, give me all your money. That's fear. There's there's a very real danger right in front of you, right? Anxiety would be walking down that same dark alley at night and being just thinking about all of the different things that could happen in that alley. So there's just there's not a very real danger right in front of you but you're anxious and you worry about mm. all of the different possibilities that could happen in that, in that alley. Mm. So that kind of helps solidify for me, like it, it, in this current culture, in this pandemic, some people are living in, there's a very real danger, right? Especially for our, our like our nurses and our doctors, um, our first responders, the general public, I feel like it's, it's a little more anxious where you just think about all of the possibilities of what could happen with this, you know, like, and, and that's for me personally, that's kind of where I tend to sit is what ifs. So maybe, and I say that just like, what are some truths that people listening to this podcast can just, um, whether it's scripture they can memorize, whether it's tools they can use, I write stuff down. Um, you, you know, in one column, what am, what am I actually worried about? What am I fearful of? And then what is truth? What is, what does Jesus say about this? Mm -hmm. Um, some general scriptures. And so, um, what are some tools that people who are sitting the what ifs or sit in fear, what are some tools they can use or some scripture they can memorize maybe that would offer them hope, um, or to get them out of this rut? Yeah, I think the difficult thing is, like you said, Jesus says, don't worry. Yeah. You know, I, I, your Father in Heaven provides for the birds of the air. Don't don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Um, how much more valuable are you to your Father? But what I'm hearing from you is, and I think we've all found ourselves in that moment where we, like, we know the tools. We, mm -hmm. we know... Um, the in our head that this is not a road that we want to go down but we feel completely powerless mm -hmm. uh to not go down that that road and I, like I, I don't mind i'd like to sit on that for a little bit right, right now and talk about because i think that applies to a lot of things in scripture where we see god's clear direction for us as his kids and we know it but we don't know how to walk in it mm -hmm. um and and i think I would love to hear some general advice in in those moments mm. from Chris. <laughs> can, yeah. you, can you give us some wise counsel? Even a fool seems wise when he keeps his <laughs> mouth shut. I was it's funny, I was thinking that too, as you were saying, like right before you were saying that, of like, man, that's me in so many other areas of life, you know? Like where I know what's right and I know what's good and I know what's true and I know what 
is holy. And I know it's going to represent the Lord well. I know it's it's actually going to bring me more life and joy and satisfaction. And still, <laughs> I choose this other thing, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it's all it almost feels like a like an out of body experience in a way where mm-hmm. like I, I almost have no control. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like Paul, like why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? You know. Um, so I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like this is the problem of brokenness in humanity and in the world in general in all areas and so of course you're going to have times where you don't know what to do with that anxiousness or that fear and i think some like practical things that sometimes help me and not always is one if i can if i can take that to community like if there's if i can talk to my wife about it I can talk to one of you guys about it. Someone I trust. Um, usually things go better for me. Or at least I, I more quickly steer that into the right direction when there's somebody else to speak truth to me. Because mm-hmm. uh, even though I know it in my head, I'm not doing a good job of speaking it to myself. Um, and it becomes almost like that. We were, we were saying earlier, like that cliche thing in my own head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. Someone else says it out loud, and suddenly it has a little more power and substance to it. If it's someone I know and trust, if it's someone who's present in my life, like you guys are saying. I think I think you made a good point too. Kind of going circling back to being in a state of knowing with your head, you know what's true, you know what's right, but you can't seem to come to that conclusion in your heart. Mm-hmm. So you know you're up late at three in the morning. You know, scripture says, do not worry. Right. Um, but you're you're going down that road. You're sprinting down that road. Yeah. Um, I think just remembering that we're, we're all a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even though we know something in our, our heads, the Lord is still working on changing us at our core. And it's okay to not be in that place mm-hmm. yet. And to know that the Lord is still working that out. Because uh, uh, I think we keep using the terminology that we know, but the reality is we kind of don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we can recite, yeah, but, right. but being able to recite is not necessarily know, knowing from a scriptural sense. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of talk about doing what should we do in that moment. But again, like, like we all know, the Lord's more concerned about us being who, who, who we truly are. And so I think a lot of times I try to get ahead of myself in the doing. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the Lord's saying, hey, I'm still working on you. And this is just the overflow of where you're at currently. Yeah. And I still have so much more work to do within you. And I'm faithful to complete that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get ahead of what, I, what I'm doing. Not, yeah. not to embrace the brokenness, but also to realize that we're just work in progress. Yeah, I think that's a great point because we're... I think it's important to remember like every emotion that we experience Jesus experienced too, and was designed by our creator uh, to, to kind of help us gauge what is, what we're currently experiencing in the world. Right. Like you feel in, in the alley when the person pulls the gun, like the illustration you're giving Anthony, you feel this immediate surge of like, Oh no, there's danger. And we call that fear that's a good thing to kind of kick you into gear to, you know, 
respond appropriately, right? That fight or flight. The fight or flight. Yeah, it kicks in. You you need that response in that moment. These these emotions and experiences and feelings that we have, God has put there for a reason. And sometimes they're indicators of what's really going on deeper in your soul. So when you're feeling that anxiousness, you start to, if you can ask yourself or have people around you ask you those good questions to get to the root of it, it's a good diagnostic tool, not something to beat yourself up over mm-hmm. and go, I should not be feeling this way, just stop. And so, yeah, using that that as a diagnostic tool to go, okay, so what what's the deeper thing going on here? And to remember, like, Jesus experienced these things too. It's funny when, Anthony, you first brought up, like, the difference of fear and anxiety. Um, and the way it was said, I actually was going a different direction because I was thinking, well, Jesus felt anxious. So maybe that one's okay. <laughs> but we're only to fear the Lord and not fear. So I was, like, going the opposite direction. And I think the reality is, like, in all of those things, the key was where do you go with those emotions? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Psalms is all full of, like, I'm fearful of my enemy, but I'm, I'm trusting in you, God. I know you're in control. Mm-hmm. The, the deeper fear was in God. Like, I'm taking this emotion to you. And Jesus is going, don't be anxious for anything. And then in the garden, he's so anxious, he's sweating blood. Mm-hmm. But where does he go with that? He, he goes and he sits with the Father and he takes that to him. And he still is willing to walk through uh, the thing he was feeling anxious about. And so I think that is, for me, kind of the key is like, all these emotions are going to happen. They're going to rise up. What do we do and who do we take them to in those moments? lot of people who just sit in their fear and sit in their anxiety and then they read like do not fear do not be anxious you know there's you know you read the story of the disciples on the boat and there's this crazy storm and Jesus is like what are you afraid about like oh you have little faith you know and so you're like don't fear you know like sometimes I read that and it's like don't be afraid and that turned into shame and guilt of I'm not where I'm supposed to be it's like, no, like, what is, I, I love it. Like, fear and anxiety are real emotions. And what do we do with those? It says more about who we are and who we're trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge point, too, because it's not, it's not a faith in our faith. It's not that Jesus was right. saying, hey, you, you, know, you have this little mustard seed of faith. I need you to grow your faith. What he was inviting them in to was a better understanding of his nature and who mm-hmm. he was um, and who their father was ultimately because Jesus was a perfect representation of, is a perfect representation of his father. Mm-hmm. And you guys were talking about the scarcity mentality in your last mm-hmm. podcast. And I was thinking about um, when uh, Jesus had that interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they were testing him, um, telling him to perform another sign and, and he said, no, no sign is going to be given to you except for one, one more sign, and that will be the sign of the prophet Jonah. Hmm. Um, and then he leaves with his disciples, 
and they're going to go on a, another journey, but the disciples forget to bring bread. And Jesus says, beware, looking back at that situation, trying to use that as an example. Hey, he says, don't be like those guys. Beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And immediately, because of their lack, they're thinking about the mm. bread that they forgot mm. to bring. Yeah. Um, and that worry and that, because I, sometimes I, when I think of panic, I think of just, you know, chaos and, and confusion, and it's very outward and it's very in your face. But sometimes there's just this underlying underlying sense of I, I'm not in control, mm-hmm. I'm scared. And, and that, that became their tunnel yeah. vision. That's all yeah. that all that they saw. And, um, and, and Jesus's response to them, it was that same response on the boat. Oh, you have little faith. Mm. Don't you remember when we had the 5,000 mm-hmm. and I fed all of them. And then we had the 4,000 and I fed all of them. Um, and, and he doesn't get into this there, but he has already told them I'm the bread of life. Mm-hmm. You eats from me will n- never hunger, never thirst. Um, he's gone through, Hey, don't, don't worry. The, the birds are provided for. Um, so he's, he's saying, you don't, you don't know me. You don't understand my, my nature yet. And that, that's what I mm-hmm. gather from that yeah. panic, fear, even pride. All of that is simply, we don't truly know Jesus as deeply as we can. Mm-hmm. And so Every time I find myself in that situation, that's that's what I want to fall back on. Like Chris, you're holding a cup of coffee right now, and uh, and if it's full, as long as we're not shaken, we can we can hold that and nothing's spilling. But as soon as I shove, can I shove you right now? Please do. <laughs> if I shove you, that's when it spills over, and I feel like those are the situations God is constantly bringing the disciples to mm-hmm. and bringing yeah. us into. So that we can really see what's going on in the inside, because mm-hmm. as we grow older, I think we get really good at pretending, yeah. putting masks on. Um, if we've grown up in the church long enough, we, we know how to act, what to say. But but the Lord brings along these situations where He pushes out of us what's really inside, and uh, mm-hmm. instead of trying to fix it in the moment, I'm trying to get to a place where I say, "Okay, th- thanks for showing me this, Lord." Thank you for that invitation to draw nearer mm. to you, so that I can understand that you are my provider. You are, uh, you're, you're all, all I need. Yeah, that storm coming, and Jesus is sleeping, and them freaking out was actually creates this opportunity for them to see the power of who it is they're following. When even the wind and the waves obey him, who is this? Right? Yeah, it's like. I thought that they only obeyed God. Oh, wait a second. Who are we following? You know? And it, so I was, I've never thought about this before. And maybe you guys have, because you're smarter than me. But as we're talking about those two stories, Jesus is sleeping on the boat. They're freaking out. They're anxious and fearful. Jesus wakes up and, and he calms the storm. The other story we talked about is Jesus is in the garden. His disciples are sleeping. Like they're at peace. And it's like he and he's anxious because what's about to happen. And so it's like he does this reversal where he now enters into the storm on our behalf. And I think ultimately that's what we got to remember is like we we really have no control over the storm. Right. But what does Jesus do? He, he comes down to earth and he enters into the mess of life for us, for our sake. And he he that reversal of him in the garden, like where now he's the one kind of going into the storm, so to speak. 
is he's going, I'm taking on the fullness of everything that brokenness has brought into this world. Um, I'm taking on the fullness of that, even experiencing the anxiety that you feel because of the sin and the brokenness in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, man, that the anxiousness, sorrow, grief, fear on Saturday and what, what all of his followers must have felt then is totally undone on Sunday mm-hmm. when Jesus rises to new life, when he's resurrected. And like, it, at least for a moment, they feel what new creation is, right? They feel what the kingdom in its fullness is going to be like. They get a preview of that. We're like, that fear is gone. And, and you know, the shutters open up when the spirit comes upon them from the upper room and they go out and they start preaching. Like that fear and anxiety of what's going to happen to us now that they even killed Jesus, the guy we've been following for three years. Like that's all gone because Jesus completely overcomes death mm-hmm. and sin and fear and anxiety and all that. And so obviously we know like, some of that has lingered and they later in their own lives started feeling some anxiousness too and anxiety and fear at different moments. But that was a preview of what's to come that when Jesus returns one day, fear and anxiety will be gone. Shame will be gone. Guilt will be gone. Sorrow will be gone. So Jesus took that fear and that anxiety upon himself for, for us. Mm -hmm. Now we're called to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ to be his, his image bearers so that the world can look at the way that we live and the way that we love and serve and see the reflection of, of the one that we serve and right. follow through the power of, of his spirit. How does the way that we process fear and anxiety and panic, how does that speak to a world that desperately needs yeah. Jesus? You know, we have all the, that scripture of like, his perfect love casts out fear, you know, that if we could be that those people, this community that is, has this peace, even in the midst of the storm, you know, in the midst of panic going on around us, that we have a peace that allows us to not go in through a scarcity mentality, just take for ourselves, but instead give to others and like kind of give this peace, right? This, this passing of the peace, so to speak. Um, Man, how how powerful would that be in times like this? And so your question is like, how do we do that, mm-hmm. right? And I guess maybe better ask is how do we be that? Yeah. If we know that we're supposed to be that that um, you know that 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 calmness in the storm, I think that's part of being a light in this yeah. world. Is when the world is panicking and freaking out, there's there's kind of this quiet uh, confidence mm-hmm. in in the nature of of God. And I think this is where fear and anxiety comes from too. It's wrestling with identity. Mm -hmm. So if our identity is in what we do as the church on Sunday mornings, Mm -hmm. then we're going to feel panic. You know, I, and I'll be honest, like there's some nights I've lost sleep this week of like, because our, our church isn't able to get together. And I start relating that to my identity as a pastor as a leader, like, am I leading well during this time? Mm-hmm. Which is totally the wrong question. Um, that's not what our identity is built off of. But if we remember, our identity is secured in who Jesus is and the fact that he has sent his spirit, the helper, to come dwell within us, that we have the spirit of the Prince of Peace within us. Our identity is we are loved children of God because we're in Christ. 
then that can allow us to continue to have this sense of peace and be that calm in the storm. That can allow us to look at the situation and go, okay, obviously right now things are not normal and and people are concerned. How do we go and love and care for people in the midst mm. of this? So I think, you know, you were talking a lot, Anthony, about reminding yourself of truth when you're starting to feel anxious or fear. Uh, and I think, or depression or whatever the case may be. And I think the deepest truth is reminding ourselves who is the God of the universe and who are we in light of who he is? Mm-hmm. Starting with, with identity. And from there, as you said, Dan, starting with, with being who we are, from there, the doing will flow out of that. Dan, it's been great to have you here. I hope you'll come back in the future. Next week, we're going to talk about vocation versus vacation. Where some people are at home uh, because their workplace closed, and now they don't really have a whole lot to do, and they kind of see this as a vacation. But others of us are trying to navigate what it looks like working from home. What is our vocation as the people of God, as the church, and how do we enter into that?